Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Authentic Audience Podcast. My name is Krista Ritma, and I am your host. I just wanted to start off by acknowledging this really weird time that we are in. It's very uncertain. Things are changing so much every day. Everything that we think now is going to be totally different in a week. So I'm recording this a few days before this episode comes out and so much could change between now and then. And I just don't want to mansplain to you facts or misinformation about the coronavirus. I just want to hold space and remind you that every day is actually uncertain. And I think that that has just been really heightened for people and it's scary and it's anxiety provoking and a lot of things. And this conversation with Lauren today, I've got Lauren Toyota. She's hot for food on YouTube and her blog and Instagram and everywhere. And It was just such a beautifully timed conversation. I really enjoyed it and I'm excited for you to hear it. I continuously find that whatever I'm dealing with, whatever's coming up in my life, I mean, we all are one big brain, right? Like we're all sharing the same energy and it's, I'm always surprised. I don't know why um, when it continues to be happening for everyone else as well. So hopefully this will be as healing for you as it was for me. If you don't know Lauren, um, she has a blog and YouTube channel called Hot for Food. She's got over 34 million views on her channel and 465,000 subscribers. So (laughs) if you don't know her, um, I would check her out. She's also wrote, uh, written a book and this is a really cool episode. I discovered her a few months ago and there's something like she has the it factor and I always like sort of uncovering or getting the behind the scenes into what that is because with my marketing hat I can look at a brand I can look at a person and be like yes she has it and then I love uncovering what's behind that and what was so beautiful about this episode is it's authenticity it's um you know timing it's trust it's everything that we keep coming back to so we dive into how it all started for her how she made the leap from being a tv personality into like a YouTube star and sensation. We talk about how YouTube has changed since then and now, the business behind the scenes, how she does it, plateaus she's hit, um, authenticity, inauthenticity, all of the things. She shares advice for people wanting to follow their heart and gut and intuition and create and launch something new. And we talk all about the growth edges that have been hit along the way and one that she's in right now. She's really honest and uh, open about her process, her career, her growth, all of the things. And I find myself constantly grateful for the guests that appear on this show. And this week is no different. So really grateful to know Lauren. I'm excited to be now following along in her journey, as I'm sure you will be too. I hope you enjoy it. Lauren Toyota is hot for food as long as it's vegan. She's cooking up vegan love and bringing the increasingly popular lifestyle to food fans across the globe. Her knack for creating vegan versions of popular comfort foods like mac and cheese, burgers, Caesar salad, and even cheesecake is helping to catapult the vegan lifestyle into the mainstream, improving the plant that plant-based diets are far from boring. Her YouTube channel has over 460,000 subscribers and 34 million channel views since launching in February 2015. She has a cookbook, Vegan Comfort Classics, 101 Recipes to Feed Your Face, and it is available. I love that title. And it's available now wherever books are sold. Welcome, Lauren. Hello. Hello. Um, It's a funny time right now, so let's just say it. Um, Yeah. So we'll, you know, we're not going to ignore it, but let's just start with, uh, how are you? Where are you? What's happening in your world today? Yeah, I'm in, uh, Los Angeles, California. It's my new home. Cause I'm actually from Toronto, Canada, mm. and, uh, I moved here last summer. So I've just been in my house, actually funny enough, planning and creating content that I'm was anticipating to launch in May when I came back from a month long trip to Bali. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know if it's happening anymore. Uh, we haven't canceled it as of yet. Today is like 
middle of March. So we're supposed to leave early April. So as of 24 hours ago, we were planning, talking about it, getting excited, like going through the itinerary in detail and planning the menu. And then 24 hours later, it was like, oh, maybe we actually are going to have to cancel or flights are going to be grounded. We don't know. So we're kind of, we have about 10 more days to fully decide and to see what happens and to still get a refund on the villa. So <laughs> we will see what happens. It is a crazy time. I think, um, in 10 days, we'll know a lot more. That's what my husband keeps saying anyway. And then our fathers, um, they like to, you know, tell us how they feel about things. And they're like, the planes are the safest space right now. They're so clean and, and all this stuff. So I'm hearing like totally mixed, mixed, um, answers about the travel, but hopefully, um, we'll know a lot more. And by the end of April, um, it could be totally different. So I know, well, yeah, I didn't mention, so we're, I was planning on running my second retreat in Bali. So that's the thing. We have a group of like 22 people who would be coming. Mm -hmm. That's, it's not just a personal trip. So because it involves so many people coming from all over the world, you know, everything like that's being canceled or postponed right now. So it might be kind of strange to right. power through, even if flights are still going to Bali to still right. say like, let's go. when like the world's like crumbling around us. It's, you kind of have to follow suit. Even if you aren't buying into the panic, you still have to like, you know, the optics of it have to sort of go with the flow. So Totally. We're, we're literally in a, in like a waiting period limbo right now. I was just, I was actually supposed to be, I lead trips to Nepal with a friend of mine twice oh. a year and we were supposed to leave next week and we pulled the trigger pretty early because Nepal borders China. And yeah. so we actually in February canceled the trip and, and today I just found out they closed Everest. Um, yeah, I saw like as of this morning. And so it's just kind of interesting because I don't, I think in our lifetime, um, we haven't really experienced something like this, I think since nine 11, where things are really at a standstill, but it's funny. I, I saw this, uh, meme. I don't know if you saw it, but it's like everyone in their online classrooms right now. And it's like all these little animals, like on a screen. Yeah. <laughs> Because, so the work that I'm doing is actually, and my sister, I just got off the phone with her and a lot of her work is online and like double, triple the people showed up to her virtual yoga class this week um, because they're all home. So it's kind of like, a, how do, where do we keep going? Where do we hold space? Like trying to navigate that. It's an interesting flow, but I'm really excited to talk, to talk to you today. I have been sort of stalking you for a little while since you came <laughs> to my energy field. Um, and I'm just very impressed. I'm very impressed with who you are. I really like your energy. I like what you're doing. And I was, you know, prefacing this before with telling you that I'm a terrible cook. It's like a joke. Um, I'm the cleaner in our house. I like am the one that cleans up after dinner with our friends everywhere. It's like everyone knows, like, don't let Krista in the kitchen. Um, <laughs> but what I'm excited to actually talk to you about is the business side of what you've created because it's really hard. Um, and I live on the content creation side. I live on digital launches. That's my space. And to be able to accomplish what you've accomplished in, in my opinion, a very short amount of time, 2014 is when this all launched. It's pretty amazing. Um, so I would love to dive in into that. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Cool. So my oh. first question, YouTube has been on my mind lately. I find it to be a really amazing place. I love YouTube. It, um, offers so many possibilities for people. And I just find yes. that right now it's a really exciting time, um, to be on YouTube. How did you get started with YouTube is my first question. And I noticed, or I saw that you used to be a television producer and, um, how did that sort of switch come to be? Yeah. Well, uh, funny enough, kind of in 2008, I lost my job during their session um, for a television media company in Canada. Um, and so I had two years there where I, um, you know, was really depressed, was not handling it well, thought my career in television was over when it really had just begun. So, so funny how we're like talking about this, like impending global recession right now, but I've had to go through this transition a couple of times. So 2008, when that really started, I ended up kind of recovering and bouncing back and getting back into uh, television. I, 
I moved from Vancouver to Toronto, got back into the same media company actually, and worked my way into doing my dream job as a TV host and producer there. So for a national music station, just like MTV, it was just MTV Canada and much music. So then I lost my job again in 2014 uh, due to the fact that digital like YouTube was sort of running um, content. And these big broadcasters that didn't really move with the times were losing a lot of money. So they did a lot of cutbacks and I got let go again in the summer of 2014. But between 2008 and 2014, I went vegan. I started my blog, Hot for Food. And that's where the birth of that came. And it was just sort of a side hobby. But I think that space that I was given when I lost my job the first time is what allowed this to sort of come in to play you know, changing my lifestyle, really honing in on listening to my intuition and how I felt physically, mentally, and emotionally. And it really, that had to do with my diet. So that's really Um, where it started. But when I got my job back into television in 2010, uh, my blog went dormant. I mean, I wasn't, I didn't have time to do it. I was still cooking and eating vegan. And I started posting on Instagram then in 2012. So it sort of was revived again in the digital space with that interest and like having to, you know, I was already on social media, having to build my personal brand as it related to being a TV host in Canada. So I started getting interested in social and how the engagement worked because of my broadcast career, but on the side was sort of doing this vegan thing and like building an entirely different brand on Instagram where people didn't know who I was and I was tapping it into a whole other audience. And it was around the time that food Instagram was like really kind of getting kind of, um, a lot of attention. So Mm. the whole time it's like, all of this has to do with like divine timing. Like everything's just about like this perfect timing. And that, that seems so out of one's control. You're like, well, why did certain things happen when they did? And, and how do you capitalize on those opportunities when the timing seems like bad even, right? So anyway, so 2012 was Instagram and then 2014 lost my job again. So from 2012 to 2014, I was building this Instagram, getting actually like quit. I think I, by that time, I'm not sure. I think I probably had over 10,000 followers or something, but I decided to relaunch my blog in early 2014. I was like, let me like make it on Squarespace, like make it look cool now, like get in the game. I didn't understand blogging, like had no reference for really anything. I wasn't even a big consumer of food blogs at all. Was wow. certainly not a consumer of YouTube because I worked in the television media space. To me, YouTube was like, right, like the bottom of the barrel. Like I really, if I'm being honest, I was like, YouTube is so lame and... <laughs> I'm a professional TV host. Like, totally, totally. Just had that, I had that total separation, like a bit of an ego about it. And so anyways, so I hadn't really touched any of that type of content, had no exposure to it. But I started my blog early 2014 and kind of thinking you could, you can always, you get a sense, especially in media, the ax is coming down, like, you know, it's happening. So we were all really anticipating something. And I was kind of just like, well, you know, let me just start this blog. Like, I did foresee it becoming a business, but I didn't know how. Yeah. And again, timing, because six months later, I lost my job. But I had, funny enough, managed to move my Instagram audience onto the blog. So then I was getting traffic. And I really felt like there was the momentum building. So losing my job when I did, I was actually quite excited because it, I had learned from the first time. So I had a different attitude mm. about it. And I was really ready to kind of be pushed over the edge there. Like I needed to be forced out of that position and that safety in order to take the risk to run this full time as a business. But I was left with no choice. I was like, well, I have this offer food thing. I might as well just devote all my time now to that. Yeah. That's so interesting to me though, just that piece of your story, because like losing your dream job, right. But also being so grateful for the timing of it. When you are in that space, I think a lot of uh, these conversations, I just had Danica Patrick on last week and we're talking about transitioning from this job that everyone knows you as. So you were obviously in the forefront, people knew your face, people knew who you were on Instagram, on socials, you were a TV personality. And then to make Mm -hmm. that transition, um, I love that we're talking about timing. I think this is a really beautiful episode um, to sort of have that uh, you know, thread weave us through. But um, when you were in that space, was it like you're saying, it wasn't super clear to you yet? Um, Were you trusting? Like, what was your mindset sort of like at that time? 
So again, so even what, what made that whole um, experience even more interesting and powerful and put me in a place of really having trust and faith is that a year prior to that, I had started meditation. Wow. So a year before all this, or about a year and a half before, I had meditated for the first time, gone to a little women's group thing through a friend of mine, and had my real first experience with like that connection. That connection that I knew was a thing, but hadn't, you know, sat in a circle, hadn't connected, hadn't been guided into meditation, hadn't been able to sit and meditate, you know, the way you perceive it's supposed to be. So right. I started on like this other path, like this other door opened for me in my personal life. And it started to truly affect obviously all aspects of my life and really played an important role in my career or my role in my career. And like really just giving it all up and going on, giving it up to like the idea of giving it up to the universe, like yeah. trusting what's happening, like really doing that. And so and you that, have to really trust it. Like, I think that's why I was asking. Cause it's, I was feeling that trust and it's so funny. Cause I always want to talk about business and it always comes back to like all of these topics. It's so yeah, funny. That's the foundation. That's the foundation. And it's yeah. like, I, I can't avoid it. And I mean, it's yeah. my, I always say for me, like my entrepreneurship and my career is like my deepest uh, practice of spirituality. That's when it, it comes into play the most. And I'm obviously deeply spiritual. The podcast always comes back to, um, you know, when I found meditation, when I found my spiritual practice, when I'm talking to these very successful people. And I just think that you, I don't, maybe this is too big of a statement, but I dare, I say, you can't make it without that kind of trust, without that kind of surrendering, without that type of, like faith that there is something like holding us through this process. I'm not sure, but it always comes back to that. And I just think it's so beautiful and I'm, I'm so grateful, but anyway, keep going in your story. Yeah. I no, want to know that, more. That was really why. Uh, and again, I trace that back to the 2008, 2010 life transition where I went vegan because vegan was the opening to mm. a better connection to everything you know, all beings, nature, all of that. And then that's, I think, what led me to then have this idea of a spiritual practice or a meditation practice actually become part of my life. I, you know, I can only say what my experience was, but it seems as though this was all meant to happen in that order. Totally. Uh, I, think, I think it can happen in any order and however your path and your story unfolds is your own, but that's how it worked for me. And I can really see where those distinguishing differences are and how I was started to change because of these experiences. So, so anyway, so that side of blind faith trust was super uh, strong when that layoff happened. And I felt this, like, I really felt like a visceral physical excitement and like energy about the fact that I lost my job. No one else felt that way. So I felt really bad and I had to be really mindful of how I was like projecting that out because I had to be obviously empathetic to everyone. Like they laid off like 125 people, like all my friends and stuff. Wow. So I was grateful that I, a, I had experienced it already the one other time and could learn from that. But anyway, it was just interesting to feel such enthusiasm for something like that. And it, it, and it just, it's a big teaching moment because it's like you apply the lens to everything. So it's like, how are you going to take in something, right? And I do think that that's what set me up for some success with this is that I just didn't lose focus. Yeah. I, didn't, I looked at it from a big picture perspective I mean, there was still lots of hard times for sure. So you know, I, go into go, I go into doing this full time. I'm concerned about, I'm concerned about like my image, first of all, cause like that has to play into it a little bit. Um, and I, I also just like, didn't beat myself up about that. I was like, look, you've put your entire life into the fact that you're this TV host and like this whole thing is your whole life. Like you identified as your job that's okay. <laughs> you know, a career is really important to me. It's always, it always has been like, you know, my, whatever work I'm doing and like the purpose of it. So, but I could somehow just see, or I was just somehow aware of like the bigger picture, like how that job in television was really a launching pad for this. Obviously all that production experience 
gave a lot and contributed a lot toward how and what I created for YouTube, right? Yeah. Yeah. When was the moment that you sort of knew like And I think mindset, right, is like I have a bunch of marketing courses and things I teach and module one is always mindset because without that mindset of I can do this, this will succeed, um, this is unique, this is valuable, all of those things, um, you can't launch anything. (laughs) So it doesn't matter how good the product is. If you don't believe in it, then it's the energy around it just doesn't work. So I think that that's really important to recognize. But my next question is, when was that moment? And I sort of ask every um, like sort of uh, celeb or person that's like grown really big in their space this question. Was there a moment where you're like, this is really good. Like this is going to take off. Not even from an ego standpoint, but just yeah. from a place of like, holy shit, this is something. I, I feel like I knew that when I made my website before I got lost my job. I think when I, when I took the energy and put it into making this website and I got my friend to take pictures of my ex at the time was involved in it. So, and I just saw it on the internet and I was like, this is something. This is like, it. I just, yeah. I just knew this was something I even knew, you know, the blog and the Instagram was just me before. And I had to kind of come up with the idea of hot for food and all that. But at around this time finding meditation, I also found my partner at the time. I'm not with him anymore, but you know, that love and that relationship was also very important to me. And I don't know why I had this impulse to involve him. And I was just like, there's something about the two of us and the relationship and the cooking in the kitchen together. And this idea of cooking up vegan love, like there's something about that that's going to resonate. And that's when I knew. Well, that's sort of your producer mindset. I feel like too, like you were able to see it from sometimes people I tend to find are so in it that it's hard to like really look at the bigger picture. And it sounds like you've really managed to stay from a space of like observing what this is and what it could be. And it's made a really big impact on it. Like you could, you were able to remove yourself enough to see like, Oh, this is good. This is good content. This, this will work. Yeah. Well, it's funny. You're saying it like that observer stance. Cause that's very much meditation, right? Right. Like that observer stance is what meditation is about. And I don't think I would have that ability as strong had I not have found that within first. Right. Um, cause anyone can be a producer and see things a certain way. And yes, I have that, but I think it definitely was amplified and a lot more meaningful and I guess authentic because I was, it was coming from this like inner place and Um, so I, yeah, so I, I could see it when I decided to rebrand and sort of launch that way. And, and so when I was then like going into doing this full time as a, as a job, you know, I was doing it full time by myself. My partner was involved, like in terms of the image and the marketing, but, but he had his own business and job. So I was at home every day on the computer, long, lonely days, freaking out, crying on the floor, like, Oh my God, how am I going to make money? All of that. Um, but just still was like motivated to sort of, oh, oh, so this is how, so going back to your question, how did YouTube come into play? Is that yeah. everyone, everyone kept saying, oh, you should go on YouTube. Oh, you should go on YouTube. I was like, no, I was still like, no, like, right. you know, but then I was like, you know what, whatever, let's just see what happens. And I think it was because I was in such a space of unknowingness. I was like, well, why don't I just talk about this on YouTube? Isn't that what YouTube is for? <laughs> And it was like when I started doing that, so I actually started with like my personal vlogging channel first and I came clean about the whole thing. Oh, I was laid off. Oh, this is what happened. But here's how I'm feeling about it. And just like started verbal, not like a verbal diary. Totally. And so that's where it started. And then once I saw that doing that was helpful for me, first of all, just like letting it out and putting it out there. Mm -hmm. Then you see how it's reflected back to you. And then you see how the audience resonates, you know, with their own personal experiences. And then I was like, Oh ding, like that's the magic of this like online video community. Like that's why is successful. It's like people being vulnerable, people being real people be, you know, all of what I actually wanted to do on television and could never quite do a hundred percent. I was always you know, molded a little bit or told I could or couldn't say something or do something or not. But I just always want to be me. I always just want to say whatever I want to say, give my opinion, like react, whatever. And, and I, and it's like, Oh, now I can actually do what I've always wanted to do. 
So, and it's funny because the Much Music, the channel I worked for, was like that in the night in the eighties and nineties. It was pre YouTube on broadcast. You know, they were the station doing this like rogue stuff. You know, having hosts just like say and do whatever, and it was very unconventional television. They were the leaders of that. And then as YouTube came into play, they became very like structured and molded, like regular polished broadcasting, and sort of lost their original charm. And so it's funny how I've been part of that, right? That story, and well, then that's, got that's, to take it and run with it. It's so interesting because one of my questions was, "What do you feel like, you know, from your time in TV that you really like were able to bring into your career now?" And that you just answered that question. And I think um, if there's anything else, I'd love to know. But for me, um, hearing you say you started with the vulnerability and the authenticity from the beginning. And I always say like, it's really hard for me to not think about things with a marketing brain on. It's like my marketing brain and my spiritual brain, like control everything. And for me hearing you say that the, like people, I always say people follow people and then they follow brands. So the fact that they were following you, Lauren, they were excited about your journey. They were, you were opening up, you were sharing about getting laid off from your dream job. All of these things is obviously going to resonate with a lot of people. And then you launch this brand or like the brand sort of came second. Is that true to the, on the YouTube side? Well, it was funny. Yeah. Because on the YouTube side, yeah, I launched my personal channel. Everyone knew that I was doing hot for food. They sure. knew it was like my work. I talked about it openly. It just hadn't had its own YouTube channel yet. That only followed a few months after, you know, I started doing these vlogs every, actually was doing every day, six days a week or something. And wow. And eventually my partner and I were like, well, it's, you know, we're taking photos of, of recipes and we're learning how to use this camera. And he was like, I, I can shoot video. Like, let's just figure out how to shoot video. Um, cause I think I was just using my phone at the time. So it was all kind of around the same time, but you're right. And I like how you say that they kind of are attracted and drawn to a person and then the brand. And I guess just that there wasn't strategy. It just happened that way for me where I introduced myself and then, and then hot for food was part of that. But when we launched the hot for food YouTube channel, we did it very slowly and we were just dabbling. Mm -hmm. you know, we made one type of video. One was just like showing a recipe with my hands with text. It wasn't, I wasn't even in the video. Hmm, and when I actually post a couple, I think it's like three videos in, I posted, I remember one day John wasn't around, so he couldn't shoot. And I was like, well, I need a video. So I just turned the camera on myself and started doing this, making up a recipe on the spot, which I now call recipe and everyone loves it. And it was as soon as I showed up and you know, cause it's all about the personality. As soon as I showed yeah. up, that's when it was like, okay, here we go. And then I started hosting all the cooking videos and it's so, I love this story and it's, it's, you know, I all, I, I was saying before we started recording, what make, what really excites me and interests me is like why things succeed and why things fail. Like I'm always really curious about that. And for me, it's so fun because authenticity always wins. And the fact that you didn't come into it from a space of fear, like I got laid off, I have to make money, I have to do this thing. But like my partner wasn't around, so I just like turned the camera on and you just followed your intuition and just like it all happened so organically. And it's it's something that you can't fake. And I think people are wondering, one of my questions was, and I would love to know your answer, um, so many people are obviously trying and wanting to do what you do. They want to have a YouTube channel or a blog and live that sort of lifestyle. One, I think it's a lot more of a hustle than people, you know, like to think like you're saying six days a week, you are doing this, but, um, what do you feel makes your show or what you did more like different? Did you do something different? Um, are you unique in a certain way? And I think for me listening, I can sort of answer for myself. Like you had the personality side, you had the personal brand. There wasn't fear around it. You had the trust. Like it's so divine timing that each one of these little pieces had to fall into play for this to just blow up the way that it did. But then it did like a hundred thousand subscribers in the first year. Is that true? Mm -hmm. that's crazy that, but see that's again about a timing thing there's this thing about being naive right not caring about youtube like not being a youtube fan and just right. going like well let's just see like there's something where if you already consume this content like if we're talking about 2019 2020 me trying to do it again like it's different right. like right. 20, 2014 there seemed to be this gap on youtube where you know youtube had already been around since 2006 
it had this mega first wave of like, you know, Jenna Marbles, vloggers, right. Austin, all that stuff. Then it sort of lulled. Then it, then there was really this gap that I sensed and it was the gap that I fell into where it was like, people are now looking to make broadcast quality content on YouTube. It's not just about like amateurs. It's actually like right. every brand is on, starting to get on here. Especially I have to say there's something about the fact that I was in Canada. Canada's always a little bit behind the U.S., so it really felt like there's this big window of opportunity here for Canadians, like yeah, to enter the space to like, and, 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 you know, I have this broadcasting background, so let me use what I know and put it in here. And I'm a bit naive and I, and I'm really don't know. I'm throwing stuff to the wall and seeing if it sticks. And it's that approach that I have to say is like part of the reason it worked is because I had absolutely no idea what I was doing and no expectation. And I think it's different now with I could sense how in just that short amount of time that I've been doing it, how oversaturated it starts to look and how much, how much content there is now and how, right. It's like, it seems like everyone has a podcast. It seems like everyone has a YouTube channel. Yeah. So you, so you then start getting very like, I can see how it can be very intimidating and you can talk yourself out of it. And well, what do I have to bring and blah, blah, blah. But it does start to have to come back to an intuitive, organic, authentic place where it's like, you have to figure out like just what it is you want to do. And you have to not care about what's popular, what's trending, what's, what's buzzworthy, what's viral. You just have to, it has to come from you. Like I have almost, I don't think ever once like done a keyword search and made content based on that. I've never oh. once done that. Yeah. I and just, I don't, I don't have viral content. Like I don't have content. that's like, I have one video that after like three years is now at a million views, like my Buffalo cauliflower wing video, but I've never made anything with that intention. And right. nothing is nothing is like that. Nothing hit like that, but it's, it's been like both a slow and quick build in some ways. Like, you know how there's always that saying of like, well, I've been preparing my whole life for this. So it feels like I've taken a long time to get to this point because the, the television was preparation and all the other things were preparation. And then if you actually do look at it, you're like, wow, yeah, like only five years, six years, you know, and I have a book and a second book and all this stuff. It's like, and it's funny to me because the momentum of digital is much faster. Yeah. The momentum of everything now is so fast. It's like, you've got to, act fast. You got to just totally, you can't sit around plotting and planning and strategizing. You just have to do things. Something out there. I totally agree. And, and I think, you know, I've, I've reiterated this so many times with you on it throughout this, but I think, um, for me, what, one of the reasons why you're so successful at this is because of just the, the total, uh, intention and lack of expectation behind it. I say, and it, the intention is everything. Like yeah, the intention that nothing is good or bad. Marketing isn't good or bad. YouTube isn't good or bad. It's the intention that you bring to it that makes it what it is. And yeah. it's so obvious to me. So I found you this year, right? So to me, it's like, man, she really blew up. But for you, you're like, I've been doing this for so long. But to me, I'm like, man, she really has it. And from a marketing standpoint, it's it's, I can't, I can't not see it. Right. So I look at a brand and I look at a personality and I watch your videos and I'm like, this is a yes. Like this is it's so obvious to me for so many reasons why it works. And then I hear the story and it's like, you know, authenticity wins, the lack of fear, the trust, the trying new things, the not sitting on an idea. Like you had an idea, you made the Squarespace, you took action. And it's just, it's really inspiring because I think sometimes it can feel unattainable. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I started my podcast because I'm a Gemini. I have four planets in Gemini and all I want to do is talk to people and connect my moons in cancer. So I want to connect deeply and often. And that's we have a lot in common. What are you? I'm cancer rising moon in Gemini. Oh my God. Yeah. I was listening Scorpio. to you talk Sun and I, Scorpio. Yeah. I was like, we at my husband's moons in Scorpio. <laughs> he loves Scorpios. So I was listening to you talk and I was like, we definitely have something. But for me, yeah. it was like, I had just moved. I, it was the total wrong time to do it. I didn't even have a mic. I just recorded it to my computer and did it. And so many people reached out. My producer actually reached out after a few episodes and was like, I want to produce your thing. Like you've got something here. You are yeah. a great interviewer you can speak, you can flow, like, let's go. And I never thought what it would be. And it's so funny because it's actually the thing that's grown the most in my business. It's what a lot, it has allowed me to connect with so many people like you, for example, that would have never come into my orbit, um, for any reason, because you're killing it at marketing. You don't need me. 
but now we get to connect in this new way. So it's really fun. But going back to the YouTube conversation for a second, you were talking about that gap. I have two questions around YouTube. One, um, like you said, it had this big wave in 2006. And then there was a gap where you sort of got in, in 2014. Now, like you said, digital media and everything online moves really, really fast. How, how has it changed? Because from where I'm sitting, it's back. Like if you're not on YouTube again, like you've got to get back on there. I wasn't on there with my podcast. A guy that works for me was like, you got to get it on there. Mm-hmm. It's back on. Like it's sort of to me where Facebook and Instagram was a few years ago in terms of um, ability to reach an audience, advertising, just all of these things. It's sort of like YouTube is the space to be again. Um, so my two questions are, how has YouTube changed for you? And um, that platform evolved since you started. And did you hit any like plateaus or sort of snags or stops along the way that was related to like YouTube, not so much you, if that makes sense? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's definitely changed since I started. And I would say right now I'm in that sort of period of like reassessing and being Hmm. like, what is my strategy or intention here with YouTube? It has the ability to reach so many people. Sometimes it seems very much out of your control, right? We talk about algorithms and stuff. You're like, wow. And I've seen that. I've seen how it's, or it seemed, you know, I I can't say anything to the programming of what's going on, but it seemed like when we entered the space, you know, we were, we, we decided we're applying our producer brains and our TV broadcast polished brains to this thing. And we're going to make good content that doesn't exist in the vegan food space specifically. Nobody was making like really good looking videos. Right. I hadn't seen really any. So that was my intention to make really like nice looking food on the, on the platform and it caught and, you know, we built and there was a bit of this like quick momentum, organic you know, building. And that seemed to just get harder and harder as time went on. Like, again, I wasn't playing to any algorithms or playing to any trends. So maybe that's a fault. Maybe that's a mistake. But I definitely saw where, I mean, I've steadily grown, but as people have entered the space, I can definitely see the competition is way more fierce. Yeah. Well, stuff. that was my other question is when you enter, cause it feels to me now that there's a lot of vegan accounts out there. Um, but yours, it's funny that you said it cause it did stand out to me and it's the quality of content. That's what it is. I always say content is King. Um, mm-hmm. and it, without, you know, good content, what are we really doing here? But I think, now being in that space, do you feel like you have to shift or change or what, you know, what kind of goes into the strategy now, knowing that there are a lot of people in the space and does that affect it? Well, I'll say where the, the point was where I started to feel like, not that I made, there was no mistake, but basically my partner and I broke up. Mm. And I read that. Yeah. Yeah. So he was shooting all the videos up to a certain point and that's when we were really doing really well and it was really growing. Um, when he, when we broke up, well, there was a period where he stopped shooting. I hired a videographer. I still think I was okay there, but basically as soon as he was no longer part of the channel, there was certainly not a dip, but a plateau moment and a reassessment. And definitely I took time off and, and, I can't remember how I've never taken much time off, but there was a period there where the book was coming out. I was making the book. I was still posting content. And I think just before the book came out, I was like, okay, I'm off the channel for like a little bit so that I can come back strong like to promote this book, you know, pretty much send the message subtly that like, it's me. I've always been here. It's always been my brainchild. Like this is not a big deal, but I could see how there was a bit of a plateau moment there. And then I think ever since then, I mean, as I've diversified my business in terms of the different things I do that takes less time away from like just being a YouTube content creator, you know, doing the book was that big shift. And I really was that when was the book? Well, I worked on it at the uh, last half of 2017. Oh, sorry. sorry. I worked, sorry, sorry, sorry. I worked on it the last half of 2016 and then it came out in 2018. Okay. So, okay, cool. Wait, do I have that right? Yeah, I do. (laughs) So confusing. Um, And so it was, I think when the book came out is when the, was when my attention was just shifted away from me. So 
in the last year I had someone helping produce content and that's when it also lost momentum because I'm not actively involved in it anymore. So it doesn't have that authentic sort of personal thing. People couldn't really tell, then they kind of started to be able to tell. Anyway, I've still maintained a presence and still getting great views and still getting brand integrations. It's still, it's a, it's a huge part of how I market what I do. It's a huge part of how I market my book, you know, direct traffic to the blog, but something has definitely happened where what started as a bit of a social experiment as just sort of like a, I'm having fun turned into a business. Yes. And when it turns into a business, I'd say right now, although it's been going along steadily, I'm just wondering what's that next level up here? Like how do I take what I do as a business, keep the personality and the voice there. And then what, I don't know that YouTube doesn't necessarily favor you as a business. Right. Well, I think you're at a growth edge and this is something that I talk about all the time. And it's funny that, you know, every podcast I do, like you've been on my schedule for literally weeks. Like I saw this interview pop up like so long ago and it's, I'm always curious, like why today? you know, like why today are we having this conversation? And it makes so much sense to me. And it's always so what I'm dealing with in that moment, like whoever ends up across from me, there's this thread of commonality. And for me, that's, I'm dealing with it on a smaller scale, but for me, I am the business and it started out as, um, I was on my own. It was Crystal Echo. That's my maiden name. And then three years ago, this March, um, my partner and now husband was like, you are like transforming people's businesses. We need to make this a company. And that's when we started authentic audience. But for me, it was always just me going in either doing websites, social media. And then I started giving talks and doing coaching where my face got more and more and more in the front and you have this like heightened. So this is where this question's going is And I don't know if you know the answer to it, but now I'm in a place where, wow, this is really working, but without me, how does it work? And Uh is it authentic? And can I scale something? And can I have a company? Like I never once thought when I, like what I'm really good at is connecting with people, marketing strategies, um, storytelling, my background. It's funny. Like we do have a lot of similar Mm -hmm sort of themes in our stories. And my background is in LA. So I worked in um, TV production in Hollywood as on set. That was like what I first started. And I switched then to working for a developer. So all I did was read scripts. I read like thousands and thousands of scripts. And to me, marketing is just good storytelling. So I'm always looking for the story. I'm always looking for the nugget of truth that we can sell because truth sells. And, you know, now being here, I never thought how do I scale a business? How do I structure a company? How do I do any of that? I was just like having fun creating marketing strategies and like getting on stage and talking about honest business. And now here I am at this growth edge of like, how do I scale? How do you keep it authentic? You know, how do you earn the trust um, from these people who have stayed loyal for so long? And I don't know if you know the answer, but it's an interesting space to be in. I feel grateful that we're in this space, but I'm like, where do we go? (laughs) What do we do now? I don't think I have like the, the, the answer, but I've been thinking a lot about this and I just keep coming back to, it's the same thing. I am the business. Yeah. It's birthed from my brain. You know, these ideas come from me. I had an amazing assistant for a year who had like a clone brain. Like she thought about food the same way she was able to help me with development of recipes and testing. And she was just like another me. It was kind of perfect, I thought. But at the same time, I could see how the energy of that was affecting the business. And it was just like, it still has to come from me. Not that it didn't. We collaborated on ideas and stuff. And I like feel like I still took them to that place, but I still wasn't invited. I need to be involved in the creative, the creating of the creative because that's yeah. what works. And that's why this thing stands out in whatever unique way it does. Cause it like comes from my soul. And so I just keep coming back to like, I don't really know what and what I can delegate. And if, if, if it really makes sense to delegate much out, because I, I have to do this. Like, and that's the good and bad thing about like, I guess like <laughs> being authentic, right? Like, 
Yeah. So I, so I'm not giving you a clear answer, but I just, I just know like in the last, so I have taken another break where I stopped posting content on hot for food in December. And I just sat down here where I'm sitting now and talked to everybody and was like, here's what's going on. Here's why I have to go away for a bit. Here's a new idea. I'm thinking about launching in the spring. What do you think? Also, maybe I'm hiring some people to help me. I've tried to look for, you know, people to hire out here didn't really work. It didn't really feel right. If I'm being honest, Mm. it just sort of felt like, nope, like Lauren, let's get back to like you, like, what's your intention here? What do you want hot for food to say? Like, how should it be resonating in the world? And the last couple of weeks here, I've, I've handed in my manuscript about a month and a half ago. So that was a really, congrats. That's huge. Thanks. (laughs) Let's just take a moment because handing uh, in a manuscript. That is such a baby. That is such a child in its in its own. And it was during that time of making the cookbook that I had basically farmed out the help with, with the YouTube content. Right. The whole thing was like, you can't go away for six months to a year just to make a book. You have to maintain you like whatever what you've what you've delivered, which is blog content and YouTube content. Like I can't right. just take that away. Well, now people have an expectation of what they're gonna get. Yeah. yeah. So in order to do that to keep my mental health. I was like, well, last time I did it all myself, which I don't even understand how I did that. Did the book and the content for YouTube all myself. This time I was like, I'll do the book. This producer can do the yeah. YouTube content, um, which helped me a lot. But yeah, now as I've been, I handed my manuscript and now I've been coming back to like, okay, Lauren, like you're here in your kitchen alone. Like you got to start making the content now. And so mm-hmm. I was kind of getting prepared for that to, to relaunch the channel. When I came back from Bali, I might actually do it sooner now. Yeah. I was going to yeah. say a lot of people are home now and now might be a great time. Yeah, I know. And I just had like a five ideas before I got on the call with you of like, Oh, I got, I got to do it now. got to do it now. I'm going to do it this weekend. So, but, and that, and that's the energy of what, like, see, it's that, that I need to get back to. And I lost that for a while because I was just preoccupied and I had yeah. other parts of this business to run. So I really don't know the answer because I need, I need three of me. And it's That's really- what I say every day. People are like, what do you need? And I'm like, three more of me. And it's so interesting hearing you say it because you're like really the face of the brand. Like you are really like, I do have a team and it's nice because people come for me and they stay for my team. So once they get in the door and they have that initial call with me and I introduce them to the team, they like realize how held they are and that it's like totally fine. And, you know, but I'm that initial like nurturer that's like holding them like a little baby. And then I hand them off to my team and I'm I have such high expectations of my team and everybody knows that. So, but it's my 2020 word is team because I've been operating as a solopreneur. I totally broke down last week. Um, My strategist wrote me this beautiful email this week and she was like, we've all been there. Like, it's so hard, even when it's your baby, even when it's your child that you care about so much, it's okay that it feels like a prison sometimes and it stresses you out. Like, it's okay. And I think, you know, having you bring that up, I appreciate your honesty and vulnerability around it because I think, you know, people can look at these celebs or these personalities or YouTube stars or whatever you want to call it. And it looks easy. And there was this viral video that went around called like the YouTube influencer, like burnout. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you saw it, but I, my friend sent it to me and it was like, cause the, the YouTube, you know, vibe of the, that channel of where people can, you know, be very well known for making this content. It seems like fun and it, and it is fun and it looks really fun. But I also think that like you're beholden then to the content. You have to put something new out every week. People are expecting things of you. Sometimes millions of people are expecting something of you. And I think we don't really, um, you know, get the weight of that. And I watched that video. My friend sent it to me when I was burning out the first time. Now it feels like forever ago. I just like live in constant burnout now, but, but he sent it to me when it was like first starting to happen. And it's, it's really real. And I just appreciate you, you know, sort of opening up about where you're at because it can always seem from the outside, like, oh, she has a successful book and millions of views and all of these downloads. And you're like, I'm trying to figure out you know, where to go next too, especially bringing it back to being the face of everything. It's a lot of pressure. And I personally think that your brand has stayed very successful. I've, you know, watched a lot of the videos. I really did a deep dive and your personality truly really comes through in such a big way. And, 
yeah, I'm just grateful to have this conversation today. I never know where it's going to go. And well, I think that burnout thing is real because as a content creator, you're literally doing the job of an entire production company yourself. And the rates aren't the same as that industry. So like, as I'm discovering right now, I've been, I was doing all of my editing, uh, pretty much up until last year. And now I'm back to doing that. I mean, I still edit my vlogs, but the Hoffer food content was being edited by my production assistant last year, but now I'm back to it. Like editors are expensive and videographers are expensive. And like when you're doing it all yourself, you're not paying yourself and you're putting in all the hours. So you think, wow, this is so, you know, you don't realize the cost and the time of what you're actually doing for free. So that's the burnout problem is that you're doing eight jobs when normally this exact kind of thing, like a television show that comes out every week is done by a team of many, 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 many people. And with a budget of like with a budget and with that's with a budget and with like a break. Like they only put out a season a year. You have to that's so real. I didn't even think of at least 52 episodes a year, if not more. If you're doing one a week, that's 52 a year. If you're doing two a week, that's over a hundred episodes a year with sometimes like a very small budget. Cause like think of how many videos you might get sponsored out of that. How many do videos do you have on YouTube now? I'm not sure. <laughs> like over <laughs> hundreds, hundreds, hundreds. Wow. And no. just the amount of time, right. That goes into like a 10 minute or 20 minute video. That's like hours and hours to put that out. So it's just, yeah. it's a crazy amount of work. Well, one of my questions was like, did you do this all yourself? And the answer is yeah. Yeah. Well, I have a team that is more behind the scenes. They're not, they're, they're like, so I have a MCN kin community, kin Canada. So they've been on with me pretty much from the beginning of doing hot for food on YouTube. And I'm really, really grateful for them. They have helped me grow it as a business because they have helped bring sponsorship money to what I do. Right. And I was lucky in that I found them at the very beginning. And then I just, it was again, a synchronistic relationship of how we found each other. And so they've been the best support they're much more involved than a lot of MCNs from what I hear from other creators. And so I've had a lot of support. So I would call them like my managers more or less. Right. And they do all the negotiating and all the legal for that stuff. And then I've got a publicist that I've worked with from the day I got laid off in 2014. She was my friend and she had a PR company. And I, and I always told her when I worked in television, if ever I leave and I do my own thing, like you're part you're of the coming. Team. Yeah. So she came and she was kind of part of the messaging at the beginning of like, Lauren is a TV host in Canada, but now she's on this like food vegan thing. So we kind of got the message out with her help to kind of like rebrand. So I've had people involved from the beginning, but when it comes to like the doing of the creative and the, like the posting, the editing, all the execution of everything, yeah, the execution of everything is me. Yeah. Um, But I've had support on all the kind of business aspects or behind the scenes stuff. And that truly is also why this has been successful because you really can't do it like alone, alone. Right. Totally. I have a great team, but I just think that like so much of the creative, like you said, like the creative piece has to come through me. Creative piece. Yeah. And then what I'm starting to delegate more and more, which because my word is team, like they really are showing up like intention and energy Mm -hmm. is so real. And I think, you know, one thing that we didn't say out loud, but that we were talking about before we started recording is like the energy of a business is everything. And for me, it's been really healing talking to you because I look at your success and I was nervous to interview you. I do. I get nervous before every interview. I like deep dive from someone that has 20 followers to a million, like, and in between every time I'm like nervous and excited to share energy and space with you. And And it has been really healing because I was sort of intimidated and then hearing that we all have the same struggles in business. And I think the more we're talking about it, and that's why I created this podcast is to like be the best friend of every entrepreneur sort of going through this process. I always say about entrepreneurship, it's like the hardest thing I've ever done. I don't wish it on anyone, but I also like wouldn't change a thing you know? And it's like, exactly. I love it. It's day in and day out. And I complain about it day in and day out. And, and it's really beautiful. And 
for my, my last sort of question for you is I want to know what you've got going on and how we can find you, of course. But um, if there is somebody that sort of has this like nagging of an idea that you had when you started, you know, when you became vegan and started writing about it, um, you know, where is that place? It can feel really overwhelming, wants to start a podcast, wants to start a channel. Is there like a small piece of advice that you would give somebody um, that's like has that right intention for creating yeah. something? Or not right. I don't want to say someone's intention is right or wrong. True, like a you true know what intention. I mean. Yes, exactly. Yeah. You have to go to that true intention. I mean, if you have an idea and you're looking at it because you think it's a golden ticket to money or success, like then that, you know, don't, don't, do not proceed. Um, <laughs> uh, it has to be like, why do you want to do it? You know? And a little more specific than I want to change the world. You know, where do you want to change the world? What pocket of the world are you trying to affect and influence? Um, so knowing that for sure and keeping that top of mind and then just trying something like I know it's just generic, but I always just say like, just do it because you can't sit around thinking about it any longer because you will eventually spiral into the talking yourself out of it. You know, you'll talk yourself up, you'll get excited. If you wait, you'll talk yourself right out of doing it. And I still go through that, that cycle. I see it. I try to catch myself though before and I just go into action when I know it feels right. I know my intentions there. Now it's time to move into action mode, you know? Um, I love otherwise that. you just won't do it. And so it could be anything. Like it literally doesn't mean you have to go make the thing and you maybe not even put, maybe you don't even put the thing out that you made, but the act of making it is the point. That's the, that's the, manifestation of it. It's like you have to make something, anything, write something down to like put it out into the world. And from there, the next step will become clear, you know? I love that. Mike, that's how I try to good move, advice. Like that's how I try to move through things is really, really now it's really all about like intuition all the time. And I, th I think it's been like that from the beginning of doing this. Cause like I said, the whole like spiritual path and meditation path found me before I actually started doing this full time. And I think it was just really key to remember that like, if it doesn't feel right, you cannot do it. And you know that every time and you just have to keep practicing that. Yeah. Practice like every minute of every day, like what resonates and what doesn't, what feels off, what doesn't. And like following through with that. Um, whenever I don't do that, of course I'm like, Oh, I knew that was going to happen or like, I already like, you know, totally. Well, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think that's such a perfect note to end on. And everybody who's listening knows why, like my whole theme lately has been this idea of surrendering to our intuition. And for me, that looks like leaning more into the feminine. Um, I really operate from a place of control and micromanaging and just this very masculine space. And the last three podcast episodes have like really been like bringing me back to this space of like, you know, and I'm dealing with something in my business right now. And like, I knew from the first moment, it just felt uncomfortable in my body. And when you ignore that, like you can feel it in your body. And when you ignore that, that little, like your, your gut is talking to you. And when you ignore it, it's going to come back and you're going to know like that exact moment. And I have a coach that always says, when did you first feel it in your body? Feel it. Yeah. Like when I'm did you all first? about that? Yeah. I'm all about that. I've become so much more um, connected with that idea. Yeah. Since. Yeah. Since and the intuition is hard to ignore. So it's, especially when you're tapped into it. So yeah, it's been so beautiful to talk to you. Where can we find you? Give me all the calls to actions. If <laughs> Well, I'm, there's not really new content there yet, but if you haven't watched hot for food on YouTube, there's plenty to binge watch. So yeah. Hot for food on YouTube. I think my parents are actually going to be really excited about this. They're both <laughs> vegan. Um, my dad for health reasons, and he's okay. always looking for, um, you know, non boring vegan. Yeah. And this, like, I was looking at all the pictures. I'm like, I'm sending them this cookbook for sure. Yeah. The, and then hotforfoodblog.com has lots of free content. And then the book has only a handful of that. And then some new stuff you won't find anywhere else. So the book's called vegan comfort classics, as you mentioned. And, um, and I have a new book coming out next year in February. Uh, we don't have a name yet, but that'll be coming soon. Awesome. And then my, per, I mean, my, I'm Lauren Toyota, so you can just Google me. My Instagram comes up, all of that stuff. Yeah, you have great SEO, by the way. I Googled oh. you and it's like, it's really good. Yeah. What's so funny about SEO is like, I didn't even know what SEO was until like a year ago. And 
anyway, it's just really funny. I was like, yeah. what's SEO? <laughs> so good. So good. You can't make this up. Yeah. Lauren Toyota, <laughs> hot for food. Um, happy to have you. And I'd love to have you back on when the book comes out and talk more <gasps> about that. I love yeah, doing I love- like follow-ups with people because I feel like we have this little like deep dive into each other's lives and then a lot can happen in six months or a year. And it's always fun to follow back up. So. I would love, yeah, I love what you're doing. And thanks for having these kinds of conversations. These are always my favorite kinds of things to take the time to do because you can actually get into stuff like podcasts are so great because they're just long format and you tend to get really valuable information that you can't get out of regular press, right? Right. For me, it's just such a cool way to meet somebody. Um, I love I love doing podcasts with people I know, but when I meet you for the first time in this way, like we go pretty deep, pretty quick. And it's this fun little deep dive where we really get get to connect. The rest of the world is shut out, my business, my texts, everything, and I'm just here. So it's been very healing and I'm grateful I get to do it. So thank you for being here. And to everybody listening, uh, thank you, thank you, thank you as always. And until next time, keep growing. 